Hello and welcome to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast. I'm your host, Dan French. Thanks for listening. The Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast is recorded before a live participatory audience. Plug into the Renaissance, connect with pros, and participate in the next episode live on our website at virginiasolarsummit.com slash livestream. The Virginia Solar Summit live stream is brought to you by Dominion Energy. Leveraging innovation for a clean energy future. Hashtag actions speak louder. Learn more at dominionenergy.com. As well as Mission Disposal, the essential site services company specializing in day-to-day supply and sanitation needs during solar and commercial construction. Learn more at missiondisposal.com. On today's episode, part two of our first live stream ever featuring Mr. Vince Maiden, a certified professional geologist in the state of Virginia and currently serving as the Brownfields Program Coordinator at the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. Virginia DEQ is one of the co-founding collaborators and co-hosts of the Virginia Solar Summit, and we're so grateful for all the work that they do to support Virginia's economy, environment, and communities. Vince joined us to share his experience with over two decades of community engagement and economic development and redevelopment, including his secrets for building consensus, getting to yes, and converting NIMBYs into YIMBYs. That's yes in my backyard. Vince also helped us close out our first live stream ever by following Chelsea Barnes, Legislative Director from Appalachian Voices, to which you'll hear Vince refer and whom we hope you just heard in the last episode. Like Virginia DEQ, Appalachian Voices is another original co-host of the Virginia Solar Summit. During the live and interactive Zoom chat, Vince also joined us with a beautiful picture of a brilliant sheep in his background. Hey, who's your friend there? Well, I, I call him Solar Sheep, but he really needs a name. So if anybody wants to name him, this little guy is the grazer on this uh, solar facility, one of them. And he, you know, we, we're welcome to make him our mascot if you'd like. So. <laughs> That's a vision of the right now. I mean, people are already out there. We've got solar shepherds on solar farms herding their sheep. In the, it's in the field. Uh, it's, it's really exciting and more and more all the time. And you Must saw the sunshine, Apollo, and George so far. So we'll have to like maybe have some votes later after the show. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we've got our speaking of uh, mascots and whatnot, we do have our official uh, Virginia is for solar logo back here. We still have some t shirts available on the Virginia Solar Summit store. Uh, if you want to go to our website, you can purchase those and wear your, your future, wear the future with pride. And Mr. Maiden, right on cue with. Uh, <laughs> Dropping the Virginias for solar uh, in the background. Well done, sir. I know that you have one or two for your, speaking of families, your uh, father with a young family, like I, I just got my little guy in kindergarten. And I think all, all of us on the call today, uh, you know, have, have a little extra passion on making these next couple decades really count the most that they can. Yeah, and I would add that Virginia is also for brownfield lovers too. So, you know, uh, maybe I need that t-shirt, but uh... Yeah, hearing all this talk from Chelsea about Southwest Virginia warms my heart being born and raised in Southwest Virginia. And I actually sound like I'm more from Southwest Virginia than Chelsea, just pointing that out. So I do have the Appalachian accent and, uh, and working on these projects and hearing about Southwest Virginia routinely in my job and in my seat in Richmond is really exciting. So uh, that was a good, good discussion. 
Yeah, thanks, Vincent. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let me wind it back to the top and just give you a proper introduction. You, you are Vince Maiden. You are a certified professional geologist uh, in the state of Virginia. You're now the Brownfields Program Coordinator at Virginia DEQ, that's the Department of Environmental Quality, uh, and you've been there for 22 years. You've managed multiple sites in multiple communities all across the state um, and all your programs, Brownfields, Voluntary Remediation, RICRA, Corrective Action, Solid Waste, and Petroleum, um, and you did go to Virginia Natural Resources Institute. So Virginia tried and true, even a member of the local government. He served as a uh, two, two terms as a member of the town of Saltville Council, where I know you guys were doing some big planning. But having said all that, Vince, why don't you, uh, like, like our last guest, I'd like to ask you to start at the beginning, you know, a um, little bit of your bio. How did you get into this space? Talk about maybe your, some of your public work. Why did you do that? And how, how did you find yourself at DEQ, leading the Brownfield program? I mean, I'll go way back to when I was working in the Virginia DEQ office in Abingdon in Southwest Virginia. I was in the petroleum storage tank program. Uh, I didn't have all this gray hair, uh, much younger, but I started out doing regulatory work in petroleum. I went into the solid waste program, got to work on landfills, which was great training for what we're talking about now, putting uh, solar on landfills and such, and then went into uh, hazardous waste and then Found my true love five, six years ago uh, with Brownfields and working for Meet Anderson. And, uh, and man, it's the, it's the job that really like, gets me inspired to go to work every day. I mean, Brownfields, you get to do so many good things, work with so many good communities. And, and I saw that opportunity to really give back. And my work in local government kind of inspired that, too. And anybody that's ever sat on a town council, that's, that's about as painful as as being, you know, in Washington, I mean, but because everybody knows you, they know where you live and they can find you. So um, that, that was a good learning to know what you guys deal with at a local level to make projects happen. And, uh, but also I can understand what a small community's pains are. So in Brownfields, we, I mean, there's a lot of stuff new that's not really new to us. I mean, we've been, uh, before me, Meet Anderson for many years was beating the drum on hey, let's put solar on landfills and brownfields. I mean, many, many years before we actually started seeing large-scale interest in it. Uh, we've always been promoting the reuse of brownfields since the inception of the program statewide, including mine lands. And we've always pushed equity. So we've always been a program that really wants to make sure that brownfield resources have been accessible to all communities across the Commonwealth. There's been always a focus on, um, you know, getting that to smaller disadvantaged communities. Now, I have to admit, it's ramped up at DEQ, which is exciting for us. Uh, we now have an environmental justice division. There's more commitment to it. People are more excited about the brownfield work we do. Uh, and the program's growing. So I found my true love. I don't think you're going to see me working in any other space at DEQ until I retire and hand the keys to somebody else. Yeah, it's a great uh, agency that you guys have there with a lot of great people. I can speak to that personally. And Mr. Mead Anderson, of course, is incredible. I've seen him testify before Congress. Uh, you guys can Google, Google for that. And you can Google some great sessions from the last Solar Summit. It's available on our YouTube channel uh, with Mead and Vince and kind of digging into to the details of exactly how they help communities, all the tools that they have and the resources. And there's some of the smartest folks out there too, willing to you know, pick up the phone and talk you through things. Um, so Vince, like down to 
into uh, business a little bit. Give us the, it's the fall season. That means the US EPA brownfield grants are out there. Um, a lot of brownfield activity, a lot of activity in Washington, you know, uh, more broadly defined. We've already had some big bills go through Congress. Chelsea was just mentioning the infrastructure bill that's getting ugly out there on Twitter and beyond. Um, but programmatically, can you give us uh, an update of what you guys are doing down there, the Brownfield program? So I guess uh, I'll give you a start with the EPA grants you mentioned. I mean, in Virginia, EPA Brownfields grants over the last five years, we've had tremendous success by our communities going after those grants and being awarded those grants significantly above national average. It's a very competitive program, maybe one out of three. And we've been doing two out of three at least in Virginia. So kudos to all the communities that are doing that. Uh, we, we as a program market that tool. We help people figure out how to get those resources into Virginia. And we even apply for those grants ourselves. So uh, last year we applied for one to help the South Side Planning District area in Virginia. And it was intended for use to do planning and assessment on brownfield sites with the intent to promote renewable energy development. We just got that EPA award. We're getting our contract in place and we'll soon take off on that project. So that's really gonna be pushing uh, renewable energy even more with federal dollars through DEQ in, in, in that region. So we're super excited about that. Um, the other thing we're doing is it's time to write the grants again. So there's an open grant competition. So anybody on the call that uh, really is interested in EPA grants, it's open now. Maybe hard to get it together to write one now, but we can at least start planning for next year. So you can contact me. Uh, that can be used to promote renewable energy development. We've proved it with the grant we were already awarded. So if that's your space, uh, that's great because you can you can do environmental assessments that pave the way for liability reduction on brownfield sites with that, and you can do redevelopment planning, which could be solar feasibility, storage project feasibility, all that work, soft costs that people don't like to pay for could be done with grant money. Um, the other great tool we have in Virginia is the Virginia Brownfields Assistance Fund, which is the state brownfields grant funding. Um, the General Assembly wisely puts 2.25 million a year into that. It's been a great program to help uh, revitalize the sites all across the Commonwealth. I don't have the map, but it's from one end of the state to the other, we've awarded funds. That includes assessment and planning money, like what I just talked about, and remediation money. We've given out 160 grants since 2011 when it was first funded, uh, 132 planning and assessment, and 28 remediation grants. And it's about $13 million. So there's money out there to help reach some of your brownfields uh, redevelopment goals. And like Chelsea mentioned, I would, I would argue at one point, I think, Brownfields are slightly more expensive in most cases to uh, redevelop. I think often developers misunderstand how much different they would have to do to put solar on a brownfield. And every time we would talk to one, they kind of realize that. Uh, the big catch is often are where are these brownfields located? How close to transmission? It's the same problems uh, that came, come out in a green space development. So. Uh, I would urge people to definitely consider brownfields uh, when you're looking at solar development opportunities in, in your community. Consider those first because that's land that people want to see reused uh, and might not object to uh, solar power on. So that's kind of the grant scene, Dan. Um, yeah, terrific. And uh, love, love what you say there about brownfields. 
kind of being the path of least resistance, there's less reasons to not redevelop a brownfield into into anything, uh, but but solar works and and yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they're cheaper uh, than a greenfield. It depends on where the greenfield is and and how far away it is from interconnection. That's one of the biggest uh, cost elements. Um, but sometimes a brownfield might be a little bit slower than a greenfield, uh, depending on you know where exactly it's at or what kind of brownfield, what kind of uh, program it's in. But but Vince, let me ask you. Um, you know, as a real pro and professional who uh, knows and loves public engagement and even served in government, um, speak a little bit more about uh, kind of this NIMBY issue. I've been saying uh, for a long time since the last summit. Now, kind of, it's the end of the beginning. Um, as we scale up, Virginia's got to do 15x more solar. Um, there's going to be a lot more solar in a lot more places uh, and a lot more communities, and uh, they're going to have to come to terms with that. And how do you how do you see uh, that? You know, how are we going to walk down that path kind of together into this new future of uh, solar development at scale? Yeah, I mean, I think in Virginia we're already seeing some pushback from like large scale solar development, and you know, and some of that comes from you know, that people don't want the farm next door developed into solar panels. You know, they don't want to see large, you know, solar panels near their residential neighborhoods or the drive they enjoy, you know, watching the cattle or the sheep or the horses on. They don't want to see solar panels. So there's some of that NIMBY attitude, um, you know, and I don't and I don't personally think that it's always a bad idea or not in the best interest to develop farmland that may be underutilized into solar or renewable energy opportunities. However, brownfields are often more acceptable for people to look for redevelopment opportunities on. Many of them, like the mine lands in Southwest Virginia are out of sight for a lot of folks uh, and, and offer big expanses of land to, uh, to develop on. So I think if you look at those sites that the community might want to see reused first, and then you take the time to public, publicly engage the community, which Brownfields and Brownfields grants are always gonna encourage public engagement. If you take the time to do that, win the hearts and minds to some solar development on Brownfield projects, then that can help you with the rest of the goals within the community, within the area. And they have input on where these things go, not just here it is, enjoy it. You know? And you won't get that opposition in the, in the 11th hour because you've already engaged them. You've already let them have a voice. And we really push that in the Brownfields program on sites we work on and in communities that we engage. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, kind of best practice documents like EPA, US EPA has a lot of those uh, community engagement. I like to say you either deal with the community first or last and you prefer uh, sooner rather than later because if you're dealing with the community last, it's usually uh, blowing up your project. And I think that there's a lot, there's genuine, uh, in this land rush, this great American land rush, there's a lot of genuine uh, interest in, in developing community benefits right into the solar. There's such, these are large, especially at scale, there's such large parcels, you can do so much, whether it's sheep or uh, bees or butterflies. Um, the cranberry bogs that I mentioned earlier are fantastic examples of, of the future of agrivoltaics. Uh, but I've seen community paths built along a beautiful re-seeded re, uh, pollinator habitats next to the solar panel. So there's all kinds of ways that, that the community can, uh, can directly benefit. In addition to some of the payments, direct payments that Chelsea was talking about uh, in, the, in the last 
um, session, which is important. There are, you know, opportunities for communities to, be, to develop their own solar, uh, even directly through the, the Brownfield program. But uh, what about getting to yes? Like Vince, how do you get people motivated and excited about brownfields? Solar is, I think, even maybe relatively more exciting. We never got to put sheep on top of a brownfield in our backgrounds before. But how have you, you know, in, in all your experience, gotten people to yes? You know, it really starts with conversations, right? So uh, in our program, uh, me coined the term brownfields individualized outreach. So and many times we go out and cold call communities that have brownfields needs. They may not even know they have brownfields needs or brownfields opportunities for solar development and other things. And we, the, the way we go is we approach communities, we get to know them, we get to know their community, let them tell us about them. And then we show them the brownfields tools. And then we help them identify sites they might want some of the help that we can offer. I think really that would apply to a solar developer that wants to do a brownfield development. If you don't know the community, you don't know the key players early, you're going to run into resistance. And people in small communities especially, they want to have those conversations. They want to take time to build trust with you, whether you're from Dominion Energy or from the state or from just a private solar developer or investor. They want to get to know you. And I think people don't slow down sometimes enough to build those relationships. And, you know, life is about relationships. And it's the same in our business world. If you don't have them, things are just not going to go well. So take the time, slow down, build those relationships, build the trust, and then do the project. I mean, that's kind of one of my learnings through what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it, it's going to come easier in Virginia than a lot of other places because of just the general uh, spirit that Virginia has. It's the number one state to do business. Again, I think a lot of folks saw that in CNBC. And there's, you know, red counties and blue counties, um, but, but Virginia works together. And I think when it comes to solar development, even there is some resistance to ground mounted solar, but there's so much benefit to it, even in the kind of low, lowest, even without sheep um, on, a, on agricultural land, it's still fallow land, basically. These are long-term interim projects, 20, 20 25, 30 years. The soil is going to be allowed to rest. There'll be some vegetation on there, and we can always come back uh, and reuse that land. So it's not permanently developed. You're not putting up a skyscraper. It's going to be real easy to, to put down. And we're going to have Mission Disposal, Terawatt Sponsor on. We're going to be talking about some of these end of cycle, end life cycle issues, recycling solar panels. And I think it's the number one question that I hear in some of these community meetings that I go to um, it, it for many years now. But that's off. There's a lot of things people say in in uh, planning meetings, but the question about what, you know, what's the environmental impact of these solar panels and are they recyclable? What happens to them when they're gone is always at the top of the list. But that's, that's my perspective. What about you, Vince? Yeah. I mean, even from my, you know, counterparts of DEQ often hear like, well, this is all great, but what about the disposal and the end life of these solar panels? And they quote the stats about how many million tons of waste it's going to generate. And, you know, my answer to that is, well, we have time to plan for it. So let's figure out what we do. Let's figure out how much material we can use. Let's figure out the best way to manage disposal, reuse. Some, I mean, I think technology is going to get better. They're going to last longer. But we can avert some of these with some of the experts, like you mentioned, uh, that, you know, one of our sponsors. 
So, I mean, let's plan for it now. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to have the conversation, but you don't want to let a future problem or a future potential problem stop progress now. So, um, let's move ahead. We're we're problem solvers in this country. Let's let's solve the problem. Um, yeah, sure. and brownfields and uh, mine lands. It is land recycling. You know, yeah. All st step one. It's land recycling. That's a big that's a big check mark on the box. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, talk about, you know, why do you see, because you're an early adopter too, a DEQ, uh, co-host of the Virginia Solar Summit right from the start, many years now, you guys saw the future. Um, you get the, the benefits that I've alluded to many times, but can you hit it squarely for us? How do you see the value in this Brownfields to Brightfields track? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all started, I guess, over four years ago when Mead and I went out to Southwest Virginia, we sat down with our friends at DMME talking about, hey, they had, an, they had some desire to help reuse mine lands. We're already pushing brownfields. So we started talking about what we could do collaboratively. The solar idea was definitely on the table. We went and met with our friends at Appalachian Voices, Adam Wells, talked about you know, how brownfield resources can help their causes. And then from that, you know, our desire to really ramp up our pushing of bright fields uh, as one of the programs at DEQ started. And then my friend Dan French was doing bright field events. And I said, hey, I think Virginia's ready. So we had bright fields in 2019 and, and which become the Virginia Solar Summit. And I think we were right. You know, we were right to start it, the conversation. I think this conversation is started. I get calls every week, more than one usually from solar developers wanting to do brownfields Re redevelopment and money investors wanting to invest into solar from Europe, from the US, from all over the world, people are interested in what's happening in Virginia. And it's really interesting to me, they keep talking about brownfields. So I think inherently a lot of corporations want to do that just from, you know, corporate values perspective. The reuse of land looks good to a lot of corporations. I think that could be sold to big corporations like Apple, Google, they want to do clean energy, but how about let's balance the land use while we're doing clean energy. Uh, and so we're actually trying to help the calls in Virginia DEQ. We're building a brownfield site selector mapping tool. I would call it brownfield slash brightfields. And we're working with uh, our friends at Virginia Energy to contribute to that. Uh, hopefully that will be out in first quarter of 2022. Uh, I hope to have that ready. We've already got the foundation for it uh, and we're working on it uh, through this busy season. But um, that'll help all these calls that, that I get, that Virginia uh, the Energy gets, helping people find the sites. We're going to try to put the sites out there, make them available, easy to find. And that way people can choose. Do we want to do the farms? Or do we want to do brownfields? Or do we want to have a nice balance of both, which is what I see as Virginia's future is, is finding that balance. And, and we're here to help promote the brownfield side of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll, we'll get into a lot of the other benefits throughout, the, throughout this series. If you have a site that's out there, we have a function on our website, the Site Connector. Um, you might be getting calls, but maybe you want to reach out to a lot of developers at once and, and kind of collect market feedback. So if you have a site, you can use that portal to enter your site information, and we'll put you in touch with a lot of the solo developers in our community. Um, 
And yeah, I think um, what you said about deciding, you know, this conservation versus construction question is going to be answered and re-answered at the, at the local level. And a lot of farmers I'm talking to, they are starting to understand we're going to get into agrivoltaics. The studies are, are out there. Um, if you do the farms, the regular agricultural farms around a solar farm that's been planted for pollinators uh, experience increased yields. Um, you're going to grow more nearby a solar farm. Um, and so I, I, a lot of that we're going to be covering because we sometimes even read the headlines as professionals, but it hasn't sunk into our bones yet exactly what all this bright field development and redevelopment um, is going to mean, whether it's farmland or brownfields. And I'm really, really excited about mine lands, um, especially in southwest Virginia and West Virginia. Um, there's there's a lot of great things happening out there and new ways to use power in remote locations. Um, so so the future is very, very bright. If anybody has questions for Vince, feel free to drop them in the chat. Um, we'll run this a little bit long. If we do get some questions, we're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, but Vince, is, are we going to get uh, there's there's a lot of brownfield dollars in the infrastructure bill. And uh, it's a, it's always a competitive grant process, as you said, um, it's, it's a, a meritocracy and objectively scored with the rank scores and ranks and points. Um, but it might be a, the, might never be a better time to apply for a Brownfield grant than the next few cycles. Can, can you speak? Yeah, I mean, to that? If just the infrastructure bill passes as is, EPA is going to get a huge allotment of Brownfield's money, much of which is designated for grants much of it will be designated to go to the states and tribes to promote brownfields. There really is not ever been a better time to look for federal brownfield dollars if this infrastructure bill passes. I think it'll pass. I think we're gonna have a glut of brownfields money. What we do with it as a state, as a nation, it's up to us. I mean, do we, do we design the future the way we want it to be or we want it for our children? Do we look at all opportunities on brownfields from putting, you know, low income residential to solar to, you know, uh, market rate real estate to businesses, the new industry that supports the solar renewable energy. I mean, there's all kinds of options. Brownfields dollars, I think, can be a key to unlocking a lot of those uh, great sites that people are dying to see reused and not just languishing in their community and becoming an eyesore. So. It's time. We're actually going to write a, I'm in the middle of that now. So we're going to put in a proposal for $2 million for Virginia from EPA to get money to do assessment and planning for brownfield sites to be also brightfield sites. So wish us luck. And next spring, we may get another 2 million to go on the 300,000 we have now for Southside Virginia. So that would be a big deal to get that much money for us to use across the Commonwealth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best of luck, my friend. Uh, I know you'll turn in a strong grant proposal. And there's a lot of communities in Virginia that are grant eligible. I think even nonprofits are eligible now, thanks to uh, the Brownfield Bureau authorization that passed in 2019. And there are bonus points for Brightfields. So if you have your so any solar energy, I think even energy efficient components um, in your Brownfield redevelopment project, um, that might give you a couple extra points in, in that competition. Um, so I encourage everyone I I to saw a uh, question, Dan, from Carol Davis. Who's leading the charge on extending virtual net metering to localities beyond just Fairfax County? 
that would unlock a lot of brownfield sites for solar, particularly closed landfills. I don't know, is it Carol Davis leading the charge? Is it, you know, there's a lot of people on this call that make a big difference in Virginia and beyond. I mean, if that's a need, Chelsea is somebody to talk to, but there's other people that, that can help push policy changes. I'm a policy implementer, so I'm not in the policy discussion as far as, you know, paving new ways. I might show people new ways. We might talk about it at our summit, uh, but there's others of you that really have a voice. And I think the strongest voice comes from the locals, local officials, local citizens, local people that want to say, we need this for our community. So go to your local reps, talk to them about policy ideas, policy needs. Uh, sorry, Carol, I, I, you know, I know you can do it. So I threw you out there. <laughs> no, that's cool. We need everybody. That's the point of this. Uh, we want to put uh, folks like Vince in front of you and, and you guys in front of Vince. We do need everybody. And I was talking about getting those messages down into our bones. Um, everybody should get up to speed, you know, even grandma, we all need to figure out uh, what, what this solar boom is all about. And, and we are, and people just as cool as it is. And I've seen it for a few years now, but that sheet picture never gets old. And there's a lot of folks who don't just don't know what's coming. Uh, and I'll go back to the graphic uh, from the solar future study that was out. You know, we've got photovoltaics. We can, there's, a, there's a lot of gray water and man-made ponds where we can float solar, a lot of places where we can stick solar and a lot of communities that can benefit in a lot of different ways, um, even schools. Um, so Vince, um, what, what are final thoughts like from the Brownfield uh, program? People can always reach out to you with questions, correct? Yeah, I mean, just if you want to see Brownfield resources come to your communities, if you want to learn more about our program, just reach out to me, Meet Anderson, who's on this uh, webcast. And and also, I mean, my, my final tip is the future is now. So if you want to see Virginia reuse more brownfield sites to meet their clean energy future, now's the time to stick your nose in, to get to work, to start making it happen, to start, you know, talking to people that that's what we want. And uh, because once it's done, it's done. You know, you've seen in North Carolina where a lot of solar went on farms and people didn't like it. So maybe we balance it out here better in Virginia. So. Now, now's the time. Yeah, this is one that we see coming, certainly everybody on the phone. And, and these, this is just economic development. We're going to determine them one at a time. So final thought, Vince, look, you know, thinking about your young children looking to the future. Here we are on the cusp of the boom um, with all of your wealth of experience and, and work. Thank you for all that to get us to this point. You know, how do you see uh, the near future? What's your, your hope or wish or thought for our kids on the other side of this next 15, 20 years? I mean, really, you know, in, in clean energy has become a passion of mine. We should have solved this decades ago. We could have solved this decades ago, but we didn't. So my generation, which is getting a little older, if we don't, we should solve it now for our kids and for our grandkids. And there's no reason with the technology out there that we can't have a clean energy future in this country. And there's no reason brownfields can't be a part of that. So that's why we do this. I hope people will get as excited as I am about it and really get to work. You know, it's time. Awesome. Yeah, we are certainly hard at work. Um, thank you, Vince. I know you and Mead, um, the entire brownfield program, have been hard at work coming into your 
busiest time of year, uh, the Brownfield grant application. So I encourage everyone uh, to reach out to Vince with questions, whether you're a grant eligible entity or not. And thank you. We're, we're very fortunate to get you and uh, Chelsea Barnes from Appalachian Voices in. But Vince is always available. He will. You've been listening to the Virginia Solar Summit live stream and podcast brought to you by Dominion Energy and Mission Disposal. Thanks again to our special guest, Mr. Vince Maiden. Please visit Virginia DEQ's website to learn more, deq.virginia.gov. On the next episode, we go back to the last summit for one of the most important conversations with Judy Dunscombe of the Nature Conservancy on the critical question of solar energy construction versus land conservation in Virginia. She brings data and analysis, and we answer the question, does Virginia have enough land to meet its solar needs while balancing its conservation goals? Plug into the Renaissance on our website, virginiasolarsummit.com. And remember, the future's as bright as we build it. Tranquility Base.